everybody, live from the Corona hotbed of Oof. Northern California and Columbus, <laughs> Ohio. The Vox Podcast coming at you. Welcome to our uh, podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're very grateful for you. Tim, um, rumor has it you have a sore throat. What's happening? I do. I don't know what's happening, but I do have a sore throat. Any other symptoms? Uh, no, no fever, no real cough, no runny nose, okay. just a sore throat. I'm tired, right. but I'm always tired, so I don't think that counts. No, no. A symptom that's always true isn't a symptom. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so, so, so the Stafford family, kind of underneath some sort of virus. We don't like that at all. Yeah, it's the common cold season has started, so it's, everything's confusing now. Yeah, it really is. Um, and I uh, hear uh, California is going to vote Republican this year. So um, that is true. I put well the word done. out, and well done. they seem to be responding. <laughs> it's like let's try something new this year, guys. Oh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. It seems like um, there's a lot going on in our world right now. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't pay much attention, bit. but wow. Um, That's why right, I text so you all the time so that you'll pay attention. <laughs> Oh, I do pay attention. It's it's <laughs> devastatingly crazy out there. Anyway, what we are going to do today is we're gonna um, we're gonna end sort of a sub section of the Sermon on the Mount. And before we get to that section, I want to sort of set the table again for what we're doing. Um, Jesus comes proclaiming a kingdom, a literal kingdom. That is uh, trans-ethnic and um, not limited at all to geographical boundaries, and it is it is it is a social political entity in the world whose purpose is to display the goodness of living under the lordship of Christ. And as a political entity, that entity, the kingdom of God, is neither right nor left. Nor is it just some purely religious thing that exists in our hearts. It's a good title right. of an episode. Yes. And a good title for a chapter of a book that I stole it from. <laughs> so <laughs> that's from Lee Camp's Scandalous Witness, by the way, was that Go title. Bionic and Man. I loved it. Yes. So uh, Lee Camp, nice <laughs> Bionic Man pull. Dang, it was Lee Majors. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I used to love that show. And I had a $6 million man lunchbox with a thermos. It was an old metallic uh, lunchbox with that pressed metal so that it was Those raised a little bit. Those were the best, man. It's funny how like $6 million isn't that much now. So you'd be like, this guy is a $6 million. And we're like, oh, really? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's all you got? Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm more of a $600 man at this juncture. But <laughs> that's like neither here bucks. nor there. So um, we're 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 teasing out, if you will, the politics of the Sermon on the Mount. This declaration, where Jesus sort of um, he is outlining the ethic that governs the kingdom. Right, the whole ethic is love God and love neighbor. 
And so he's literally just explaining what that means. And he's doing it from the perspective of interacting with the Torah and declaring it's that he's not come to abolish it. He's come to fulfill it. And he's actually going to reveal the true intent of Torah um, over against the other explanations of Torah that were given in his day. He teaches the Sermon on the Mount ends with people saying, my goodness, this guy teaches with authority as opposed to some of the other uh, rabbis and teachers of the law. Um, so, so Jesus is undercutting a lot of the religious teaching of his day, the misunderstandings of Torah, but even more deeply than that, what he's outlining is a, a revolution for how a kingdom that is governed by Jesus in, in his position as Lord will actually interact and begin to, to, um, display, uh, a, a, a very countercultural. Um, set of social practices and and that you know so instead of the politics of the world which is winning and getting ahead and and power uh, we just have an entirely different set of of politics governed by the you know and and he leads into this subsection with the idea that the that that you cannot evade the goodness and the righteousness of of the Torah and the character of God by saying that there are big um, you know, there are heavy uh, commands and light commands and the light commands aren't as serious because he's, he's just been going through and saying, no, no, the light commands and the heavy commands are all the commands are heavy. I mean, they're all the same thing because where does the command do not murder? Where does that start? It starts with anger and contempt. Where is the command against adultery start? Starts with lust and coveting of one's neighbor uh, or their neighbor's wife. Um, and so the idea is that Jesus is outlining for us a social reality that doesn't exist just in our hearts, right? We, we made the joke, no one sat and heard Jesus 2,000 years ago and went, oh, I need to devote my life to Jesus and go to church um, and give money to this program. Nobody would have thought those things, <laughs> right? You would have sat like we're sitting realizing, oh my goodness, every impulse that is natural to me about how to relate to other people right is wrong and so so this is what we call george costanza discipleship there's Uh this uh seinfeld popular show in the 90s uh, there's this character named George Costanza who constantly, his instincts and intuitions are constantly wrong. Till one day he decides to do the opposite of everything he would normally do. <laughs> and all of a sudden his life flourishes and it's an hilarious episode. But it always stuck with me because the, the program Jesus is outlining is upside down. It's, it's yeah. you take the world's value system, flip it upside down, and now you're close to the kingdom. So today for our reading, we have Sarah again. <laughs> Sarah uh, will um, go go through uh, Matthew chapter 5, ending, I think, in verse 48. Sarah, the voice of an angel. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? 
Be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, Tim reminded me of a couple of pieces of business. First of all, thank you to Rory, who joined our Patreon team uh, this you. week. How cool is that? So we're very grateful for our Patreon supporters. You can go to Patreon, type in Vox Podcast, and find us that way uh, if you want to support the podcast. Also, Tim has shown some incredible initiative, even in the midst of a sore throat. <laughs> and is taking some old episodes we did on Jesus and politics. He's going to polish them up and we're going to re-release them on the stream. Is that what you're thinking about? Yeah. So I think what I'm going to do as we lead up to this election season, a lot of people have talked about um, either A, they found the podcast through that series or B, that it was very helpful. And it was, I think, two or three years ago. Maybe I can't remember when it was, but the series was called Faith and Politics so I'm going to re-release those as midweek uh, bonus episodes so that you guys can um, j just track along with it. Hopefully it can be an encouraging thing in this wild in this and crazy season. time period. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Thanks for doing that. Yeah. Uh, so keep a lookout for those. Um, all right. But back to Sarah and the voice of uh, an angel. So this is, depending on how you count them, this is the fifth or sixth extension that Jesus has given or interpretation. So he starts by saying, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, the love your neighbor part is clearly from Leviticus 19. All right. In verse 18, it's just, this is like, this is according to Jesus, the, uh, next to the command to love God, this is the summation of the whole of Torah. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Hmm. All right. Now the second bit and hate your enemy. Now that's nowhere prescriptively taught in the old Testament. But there are some, there are some things that contributed to this being a very common understanding in Jesus's day. First of all, in the context of Leviticus 19, where we find the command to love your neighbor, the question, and this was a very, very pressing question in Jesus's day, who is your neighbor? Who counts as your neighbor? And, and there were, I mean, we, we've met rabbis Shammai and Hillel and their schools of Pharisees, right. and they did differed. They, you know, um, one would say, well, does a Roman soldier count as a neighbor? Does a Samaritan count as a neighbor? Does a tax collector count as a neighbor? So they literally had categories. How far does neighbor extend? All right. They're and, really good and, with their categories. Yes, they love them. And the debate was fueled in part by the context around Leviticus 19. Because, so I'm just going to read a couple of verses right around Leviticus 19. You'll see a theme. All yeah. right. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. All right. So these verses are next to each other. So who's your neighbor, right? Do not slander it among your people. All right. So right. your neighbor is sounding like it's your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Great. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor, frankly. So who's in, who's my neighbor, according to Leviticus? Peeps. Yeah. Your own people, fellow Israelites. Now there's an extension later in Leviticus in, uh, in verse, I think 33 or 34 that includes immigrants into this. But the idea was, listen, Leviticus here doesn't 
it doesn't prescribe love of neighbor beyond fellow Israelite. Yeah. Uh, and there are some instances in the commands, uh, some of the commands in Deuteronomy to destroy your enemy. Or uh, David boasts in Psalm 139 or 5, uh, do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? Um, and there were there was a, um, a sect that uh, that wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, the Qumran community. Um, they had a prayer uh, uh, hating the sons of darkness and seeking God's vengeance. So this was in the water, even though it wasn't an explicit thing in the Torah, to hate your enemy. And this yeah. reflects something we talked about two episodes ago, the law of reciprocity. In its negative form, we reciprocate to what people do to us, right? So if they harm us, we harm them. If they help us, we help them. That's just, yeah. and, and that still governs human affairs today. Now, uh, so, so you've heard it said, love your enemy or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. All right. So Jesus isn't quoting Torah here, but he's, he's, he's coming up against an interpretation of Leviticus 19 that said your neighbor was only your fellow Israelite. Okay. Yeah. And what Jesus shockingly is going to do is he's going to say instead, but I tell you, love your enemies and the command here, love your enemies. First of all, it's now plural. Um, it was said, he said in verse 43, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Now he says, but I tell you, love your enemies. And that command's given in the present uh, imperative, which means it's a consistent ongoing attitude towards whatever enemies come your way. So he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is the singular most radical teaching in Jesus. There is nothing like this in Torah. There's some hints about doing good to your enemies. Hmm. Um, uh, in Proverbs and, and there are, you know, uh, th there are some commands that kind of model enemy love, but the command, the straightforward command to love your enemies is not found at least that we know of anywhere. And so Jesus is stepping into this debate. And again, I mean, the, the big point we want to make over all of, of our understanding of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is Jewish, talking to Jewish people about Jewish issues and Jewish yeah. debates at his time. Now, they have massive implications for us, but you have to put them back into their context yeah. in order to understand appropriately the implications it has for us. Right. So he's stepping into this debate about how far neighbor love extends. And he says, well, contrary to the teaching to hate your enemies, I'm telling you to love them, which I mean, he expands the idea of neighbor far beyond any of the rabbis of his day. Now, he does this practically when he talk, gives the parable of the Good Samaritan, right, where right. the neighbor turns the, the one showing neighbor love turns out to be the Samaritan. All right. So love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, we've got to talk about this word love, all right? And, and, and some of you have heard this, but we cannot kind of hear it enough. The word here in English um, is, it, English just doesn't have the, the, the appropriate way to capture what Jesus is saying here. 
right? Because we use the same flexible, elastic, sentimental English word love for I love hot chocolate. I love fall mornings. I love God. I love my kids. I love Star Wars, right? And and they're vastly different levels of commitment and, and affection and loyalty, right? In those varying statements. Yeah. So English, we just, the word love, I mean, and and it's well known in the Greek language, there are many words for love. Even in Hebrew, there are different words for love. So, so the word love your enemies in English does not mean have emotional sentiment towards or Mm -hmm. like them or want to be nice to them, right? This, the word love agape has nothing to do with how you feel and it's everything to do with how you act. Yeah. So to love your enemies is to will their good and to not will them harm. That's what it means to love your enemies. You could hate them in your heart. Now, Jesus will deal with hate, right? He's already dealt with hate. But the command to love is not to have affection towards. Yeah. <laughs> the man could, the command to love is not to enjoy being ta- having time with. Yeah. Right? This is an attitude, an act of the will that results in concrete action. So the example Jesus gives here is praying. So this is parallelism. This is what he would often do. So the command to um, love your enemy and pray for those, he's saying the same thing twice. So the example he gives of what it means to love an enemy is to pray. And he defines an enemy here by those who persecute you. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Super important. We're, we're understanding what he's saying. Yeah. All right. So love, love has to do when, when, even when you get to like Jesus saying love, um, me and hate your parents, love and hate weren't emotion words. They were choice words. They were preference words, right? So it was taught that if you ever had to choose between your neighbor or your enemy, you always choose your neighbor. And Jesus say, no, you don't. That's, that's not how the rightness of God's kingdom works, right? You, you choose your neighbor always. And who is your neighbor? Everyone, Everybody. even your enemy. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's just such a freaking radical redefinition because the neighbor, like the, who's my neighbor game is so popular. Right. <laughs> and so what Jesus does, oh, and it's just so ridiculous. He's because then he says, <laughs> In this way, and this is the most important section right here of this, uh, the most important phrase of this whole section. He says that you may be children of your father in heaven. All right. Now this, this is, this is the key to understanding the thing. Um, if you wanted to describe somebody, you would call them the father of something or the son of something. So uh, Satan was the father of lies. So, so that means he, he is a liar. Um, When the uh, James and John are called sons of thunder, uh, that was, that was the describing how they were. Um, uh, So, so still a great uh, name. Yes. It's still a great name for a Christian rock band. Oh, I wonder if there are any, any Christians, you know, Christian rock bands named Sons of Thunder hmm. Hmm. Um, or Sons of Light or Sons of Abraham, right? So to be sons of the Most High God meant that you reflected the essence of what God was like. 
Yeah. So if you want to know, if you want to boil it down to what God is like, God is like loving your enemies. Yeah. Self-sacrifice for the good of your enemies. That's what God is like. And his children are most like God when they do that. Hmm. This is, and the rest of the New Testament supports this. I mean, 1 John goes crazy over and over and over with the command to love, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. The book of James reflects this. Romans reflects this. This idea of doing good even to your enemies. And it, and it doesn't mean liking them. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean putting yourself in a situation where you could be hurt by them again. Right? This has nothing to do with that. This is, will, if you have the chance to do good, you do good. And if you don't have the chance to do good, you pray and you bless from afar. Hmm. That's what this is. And in that way, you're literally reflecting the inner essence of God. That's why Jesus crucified, the picture of God coming down to to take the 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 death that was you know that that is due us that picture doing it from love while we were still sinners that picture is the definitive picture of the character and nature of the christian god end of story and those who will ever be christ-like have to be christ-like in this way That's what it means to be Christ-like. This is what it means to take up your cross and to deny yourself. This is exactly what that means. And according to the rest of the New Testament, this, the, the, the image of Jesus on the cross embodying this, right? Being struck and mocked and accused and spat upon and condemned and stripped naked and whipped Right. And in and, and him, in the face of all of that, caring for his mother, forgiving yeah. those who are crucifying him, right, crying out to God in the midst of that, the New Testament teaching is the, the universe changed that day. Evil was emptied of its ultimate power. The ultimate thing the evil can do to us is kill us. Right? It's very worst. And Jesus absorbed it and defeated it. Death, Paul said, could not even contain him. So the universe, the moral fabric of the universe changed that day. That's the idea. And we don't have to see um, retribution and revenge because the nature of the universe is different. Right? Love never fails, mm-hmm. Paul will say in 1 Corinthians. That's the idea. And, um, and it is therefore the hardest thing for human beings to do. Anyone who's, who's ever attempted to take the words of Jesus seriously on this point and, and the re, the people who do take this seriously are the ones who are saints, right? It's the Martin Luther Kings. It's the Gandhis, right? It's the, it's the people. I mean, I saw a picture this week of Martin Luther King removing a cross that had been burned in his front yard with the, in front of his son mm. and, and praying for the people who had nailed or put the cross up in his yard. Yeah. I mean, come on. So there isn't, <laughs> there isn't a, a better picture of what God is like 
than the picture of God, not just loving in a sentimentalized way his enemies, but dying for them. Yeah, and, and praying so, for him from the cross. That's right. The most degrading. I mean, and, 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 and people will say, well, why, you know, why did Jesus have to die in that way? Why couldn't he just die of cancer? Mm. <laughs> well, and this turns out to be one of the reasons is he yeah. absorbed the worst that human evil could conjure up. Right. And defeated it, you know? And so regardless of whatever you think about Rob Bell's book, Love Wins, the slogan is dead on. Mm-hmm. He was absolutely right. Paul says this, love never fails. It is, it is incapable of failing. And Jesus says, if you want proof of this, just look at the weather. You can't, God is indiscriminate with blessing, right? Sinful people enjoy food. Righteous people enjoy food, right? Rain, sunshine, sex, right? All of these are public goods that are showered upon human persons, regardless of their behavior, right? So God Mm -hmm. is indiscriminate in his love that way. And so, um, and then, so, so do you want to know what it's like to be a child of God? Well, it's simple. You have to be indiscriminate in your love, just like God is with the weather. And for a negative example, he goes to the opposite end of the moral spectrum to look at tax collectors and sinners. Look, reciprocity is practiced even among them, right? So what, what advantage is it of it to you to just yeah. love those who love you? Right? I mean, it's beautiful. Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Not even pagans do that? And then he has this great line. Oh, this is such a doozy. Be perfect, therefore, <laughs> as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, my goodness, people have, you know, gone nuts over this. Um, but it's really, it's not, uh, let's just, let's spend a little time on it. So the word perfect here has the connotation of mature or complete. So he's talking about how, how we love. Our love is to be mature and complete. All right. The reference point isn't, Hey, be morally perfect because the whole sermon on the amount assumes we're not. What he's saying is, (laughs) what he's saying is let your love be perfect as the father's love is perfect. Have the same kind of indiscriminate love as your father has. Yeah. That that's what it means to be a child of father God. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That when a human being intentionally steps over some relational hostility or some boundary and tribal marker and chooses as an act of the will, not of emotion to do good instead of harm to someone who is opposed to them. That is the essence of what God is like. Yeah. That's the meaning of the universe right there. It's not 42, although that's a great answer. (laughs) Hitchhiker's um, Guide to the Galaxy reference right there. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, that idea of choosing, because I wrote down a note that said that, 
you know, this whole Sermon on the Mount isn't about how to behave, but it's about how to embody and reflect oh. Jesus in the broken world, right? So it's like, that's it. there is that choosing to, and it's so great. I mean, obviously it just, to, as connecting those again, but the last few running through, like, how do you choose against anger? How do you choose against coveting? And how do you like have to try to embody choosing that every time that you're in that situation? It's such an interesting way of looking at what it means to <laughs> fully embody that perfection. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's such a it's such a broken version of perfection, but it makes such perfect sense. It just like these broken vessels that are some just have been built by society or the world to constantly choose against these things. Mm-hmm. To be perfect is to continually choose against that. That's right. You know, so it's just such a, it's such a, it's a That's fascinating right. model and it, it's such a more nuanced and interesting way of being perfect than, or embodying perfection than um, asking somebody into the little house in your heart and then expecting that that is, yeah. that that yep. is what makes you perfect. That's right. Does that make That's sense? right. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, and, and the idea that the, that the people of God simply do not have permission to put, to move anybody into the category of enemy. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> uh, and, and that, I mean, for, so for me personally, I, I take this teaching very seriously and, um, and I pray. So I've learned over years to pray for those that I feel, uh, don't like me or adversaries, or I can't stand and want to, I would love to see them harmed. Um, uh, like this, pray for those who persecute you. I I've, I've actually done that. And it doesn't work in the sense of if work just means you feel good about them all of a sudden, (laughs) Um, but it, it does work in the sense that it is a deliberate refusal to let that poison your soul, uh, beyond the initial wound. Yeah. And how often do you have to do that? Like it's every day. Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right. Yeah. So I pray the sermon on the Mount most every day. And when I get to that provision, the first thing I do is list all the ways that God has forgiven me. Hmm. And then out of that, I forgive those. And even those who I've not seen in years, right? I mean, sometimes it's a parent, sometimes it's a a spouse that you've just had, you know, years of, of crud build up in the relationship. Sometimes it's somebody that's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, and, and it's, it's, and it's not, it doesn't matter how you feel what matters is that your will says yes to the God impulse and no to the natural reciprocity impulse. Yeah. That's We're the such point. Feelings based entities. Yeah. And, and so much of our, and so much of our rhetoric here though, like growing up is just about like feeling, you know, feeling the peace or feel like the feeling that you expect to get through religious action rather than like, Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's where it's, it's very magic. Yep. And it's and and sentimental, it's, sentimentalized. Yeah. Yes. And, and sometimes the feelings do happen. 
Yeah. You know, there, there's, I, I, there have been times I've been reconciled with somebody and there's a great relief and a release, you know, that's deep and meaningful. And then there are other times I still pray for them and I would cringe if I were to see them and try to avoid them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so it's less, it's less about, you know, so when somebody, somebody says, um, um, you know, how are you doing with God? I don't, I don't know how to answer that because usually people mean that in emotive terms, right? Right. I feel close to God or God feels far away or, um, you know, having good quiet times or whatever it is. Right. Um, and this is a, this is a different way to think about it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a getting um, your hands dirty thing. Yes, 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 yes. And so nobody, and we'll just keep saying it. Nobody would have heard all of this and thought, I cannot wait to get to heaven. <laughs> you know, no one would, yeah. have, no one would have thought, well, dang, I need to pray a prayer right now. No, you would have, you would have rightly thought, holy crap, this changes everything I've ever heard and know to do. Yes. And that's what repentance means. Repentance is the gradual unfolding and awakening of all of this newness, right? It's the, it's the, oh, I mean, and I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the thick of it in my late forties going, oh, oh, that's not, nope, that's woo, dang. (laughs) (laughs) And it's given in the context of grace so that there isn't condemnation that sits there when you wake up to these things, what sits there is opportunity. And, and as you are awakened by grace to these things and truth, of course, the truth, I mean, it just zings right through me, all of the ways that I will treat people differently if they can do something for me versus those who can't and all of the ways I'm self-serving in my agape self-centered. And I'm really just loving myself by demanding people love me in certain ways and blah, 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 blah. Right. It's an endless stream of holy crap moments, (laughs) but, but because you know, and Paul's so clear about this, that the, that the affection and the relational part of what it is to be in Christ is given to us ahead of time in the same way it is in marriage and parenting and other covenant relationships, then that unfolding doesn't have to be frightening. That unfolding becomes something I don't look forward to it. I don't like the fact that the more work I do, the more work I see that I have to do. I don't like that, but certainly the last thing that, th- that I think when I'm seeing how much crap I've got in my life is the last thing I think is how crappy everybody else is. I'm overwhelmed, right. <laughs> right? With, oh my goodness, I have such a long way to go. But for some reason that doesn't def- feel defeating or condemning. It just feels like, yeah, yeah. Now but you I'm, gave great examples of, of that with, um, what was it? Um, um, both marriage and becoming a parent. Yes. uh, Like walking into the marriage thing, like you, you walk into the wedding as a single man, you walk out (laughs) as a marriage, as a, as a joined union of people that, but you're still that same dude. Like the the (laughs) name doesn't alter anything. Yeah. And the, the parenting one I thought was really like, cause I remember just being like in the delivery room, like that whole thing is, is traumatic. But when they are like, all right, it's time for you to go home. I remember being like, looking what? at the nurses and being like, you're really irresponsible to be sending me home with this 
like helpless little person. Like you've been doing all the work so far. You're the one that kept it alive the last two days. Now you're going to send it home with me. I don't know what I'm doing, but that idea of walking in, not as a parent into the hospital and then walking out as a parent, you still have to learn how to embody that and learn how to, and it like, Yep. How old's Nate? 17? 17, and I'm still, I still don't know. Yeah, 17 but, years in. <laughs> but because we're secure, it's yeah. okay that I'm not perfect. Yeah. I think that's such, a great, that's such a great metaphor for all this because it's so much about every single day. You have to, you have to embody this and you have to lean into the, to the truth of it and not... It's just like you getting the title of dad didn't just completely... Mm-mm. like change you into exactly what you had to be to to do that well and to love well and to no but it opened up the desire to want to yeah i love it. that was what happened yeah and so you know i mean and and we're getting we can get into all sorts of theological rabbit trails but i just want to sit in the vastness of jesus's teaching i mean you could not be a Pharisee in the first century and think that your definition of righteousness was anything close to this. Yeah. You could not sit there as a Samaritan and not feel super interested because this wasn't the normal rabbinic line you were hearing or a tax collector who starts by saying poor in spirit and then, and then asks those people to be perfect in their love. Like the father is perfect, but oddly enough, only those people could possibly be because it's not until you've been poor in spirit and you've recognized what it is to be loved. Then are you willing to love people when they're poor in spirit too? Yeah. You know, so the best possible people to embody the agape love of Jesus are the most broken people. Yeah. Self-righteousness quenches all of this. There's nothing you can do with that. You know? And so <laughs> it's just, oh, but this is why I follow Jesus. I mean, I love what Dallas Willard says. D. I love Willie. everything. D. Willie. Somebody asked him once, why do you follow Jesus? And he just simply replied, who else did you have in mind? we all follow someone (laughs) was his was his idea and who who i mean oh and if you want proof man look at some of the communist overthrows in the late 80s the peaceful revolutions study the life of mlk study it Yes, he had his flaws. Of course he had his flaws. Exactly. He was poor in spirit. That's what made him so powerful. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) These are the people that change human history. The people that do this. Yep. That's why Jesus still is irrelevant. And imagine, and Gombas had this image, man, a long time ago. But he said, imagine a kingdom of people on their own crosses. What kind of kingdom would that be? People who have renounced their rights, people who don't have to get even, people who don't, who, who want to be, to want to make a safe place for women, who mm. want to make a safe place for the marginalized, people who've literally um, renounced violence, coercion, and manipulation in their speech and their actions. I mean, what kind of kingdom is that? Right? Mm. So this is what it, this is what it means 
to, to follow Jesus. It's, it's cross-shaped. And that's yeah. why much of Christians and Christianity aren't, don't, aren't anything of the sort, right? There's just nothing to do with Jesus in those things. And so, you know, the, to the people like myself who hate the hypocrisy, well, you're not seeing even close to the real thing. Yeah. You know, once you get it, I, I just think once you get a glimpse of the real thing, you'd kind of be a fool not to drop everything and follow. Yeah. Even if you don't buy him as God and, you know, our, the Noah and the Ark, I mean, just as a human person. Right. How, how it's he, I just I find him so compelling, and yeah. so and then I put the religious stuff on and try that on and oh my goodness, it it does something something has happened, and so I don't know man I mean I'm all in there there's just and I don't mean that in a religious sense I just mean I've tried it my way, and I'm gonna go Yahweh. <laughs> <laughs> Was that was that a first time? Was that a, was that original? Right now, I, I have no idea. Right. I don't. I don't think I've ever used that. But I'm sure somebody. I'm sure there's a T-shirt nope, out nope. there. We're claiming it right now. That says, that says my, way my, way. Or, "My way or Yahweh." I'm sure there's a T-shirt. I'm sure there's a T-shirt. All right. Oh, anyway. Man. All right. Well, enough rambling. Nowhere to go after that. Nope. We're done. That is be perfect. Yep. Check. We just did it. Um, so anyway, I hope you and the family feel better, and I hope this is nothing serious. Oh, me too. Um, uh, podcast uh, family, keep an eye out if you're interested in some of the old politics stuff uh, we did. Yeah. We were doing that around 2016, and a lot of people found us in that season. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the Sermon on the Mount stuff is uh, just a little bit of that, but that was whole different. That was a lot of different stuff back, back in the day. So if you want to check those out, great. Otherwise, man, I can't think of anything else. Nope. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Tim? <laughs> nope. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, listen, um, you guys, many blessings to you, and we're grateful for you. And hey, Seth Erie, yeah. come here. Okay. Let's close <laughs> yes. with a little Seth Erie, shall we? Yes. Hey, Seth. Yeah. Come here, bud. You want to say hi to the podcast? Yep. You want to do the Shema? Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, let's do the Shema. Yeah, come here, bud. No, come here. No, I, honey. Hey, hey. Yeah. No, come here so you can see Tim Staff. Is this Tim Tims? No, it's not Tim Tims. It's Tim Staff. Come here. This will be our blessing right here. Come on, Bob. No, no, Bonnie. No, Bonnie's not here. Okay. It's just Tim Tims. Well, Tim Staff, are you ready? Yes. All right, say, sh ready? Three. Shema Israel, Adonai Elenehu, Adonai Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor. As, As yourself. Self. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I got a belly. You got a belly? Yeah, well, so does daddy. Uh, anything you want to say, my son? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You're talking to the podcast Toot. right now. Toot. Oh, well, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs>
great addition. Tim, guess what I think about. There it is. Guess what, chicken butt, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Vox Podcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash Vox Podcast, on Instagram at Vox Podcast, and on Twitter at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us.